Hi, and welcome to Telepathic TV. This is television that you watch with your third eye. And I'm R. Neville Johnston. And I'm Mary Phelan, and our program is about raising our consciousness. And tonight we're going to talk about the subject of past lives. Oh, we'll get echo on that. Lives, lives, lives. Past lives, lives, lives. Because <laughs> they really do echo. Well, also, if you think of past lives, or our lives, time in general being envelopes that are stacked on top of each other that our perception point can move freely between. Mm -hmm. It makes it a whole different ball game, and it's not something stagnant that you used to be, but that it's something that you still are on some other dimensional level uh -huh. that you can still access and benefit from. Absolutely. So let me just do our Mayan uh, to start off sure. the program. And today is, um, actually it's Wednesday in Mayan, and that's in and of itself a whole series of explanations. Uh, today in Mayan is? Six men. And men is the tribe of the eagle. In, and being six, it's balancing your intellect. I think sometimes our mind tends to run away with us, so to speak, or we run away with our minds, is more accurate. Mm -hmm. And today's a, a day of balancing that. And organizing in order to create balancing mind. And you do have to have a degree of organization to your thoughts in order to create it really adds a charge <laughs> and that's where the intellect and the intuitive self really work together yes we've seen some people take a shot at not being organized at all about their thinking and uh, interesting choice to make in okay. the world so the Mayan calendar is a missing enzyme of consciousness that people are uh, mm -hmm not well, yet willing to get. They've been using it to terrify people, the Mayan calendar and the end of the world, which isn't going to happen. And we've done so many shows on 2012. Uh, simply, it's the beginning of the golden age of mankind. It's entirely well, possible. Well, I just that wanted to mention real quick, um, sure. be very discerning about where you take classes and what you learn about the Mayan calendar. Um, we've been studying it for a very, very long time, but I know because this is a hot topic that people are interested in. A lot of people are writing books and teaching about it. Um, and it's really an in-depth study. And so, um, you know, if, if it doesn't ring true or if it seems negative, and just get more information because there is a lot of information out there. Yeah, and 100% of everything that happens is on your side. I know we've been uh, showing people this for the longest time. There is nothing that is not on your side. Wait a few minutes, wait a decade, it's on your side. Everything that's ever happened to you is on your side. Uh, people are resistant to this, and so be resistant to it. We don't have to convince anyone. It just turns out that everything is a blessing, and a lot of people are almost well, to the point where that is their daily reality. Yeah. Many, many more of us than when this program first began, certainly. Well, that's a very, lot more. That's very true. And, and as far as the topic of past lives, I've been doing readings for people, past life readings for a long time now, so thousands of different readings. And I know you have taken people regression-wise yeah. into past lives for, for a very, very long time. Almost and 40 one, years. One thing that I have found, and I'm sure you have, but one thing I have found is the, the character of, of the relationships that we have in these lives and how they come back and the different forms that they come back in. For instance, uh, one, well, I, m most people that have been watching the show for a while have probably heard me say that I was born remembering my past lives. 
I feel we all are born remembering our past lives. Only most people forget. And I remember that moment when I started forgetting why I came here and why I picked my parents and the birth order and my hair color. And I remember that was slipping away. I was about four, four years old, somewhere around that neighborhood. But my past lives, I remembered for... For it, I remembered them just like I would remember going to school yesterday or going to my aunt's last summer. I mean, it was the same type of a memory. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure if that's because when I was born, I had the umbilical cord wrapped around my neck. And so I was um, a blue baby uh, when I was born, and they had to revive me. And they thought I was going to be uh, brain damaged from that, which uh, it's still debatable whether I am or not. <laughs> just kidding. Okay, well... I don't know if that's what made the switch not turn off with me, but if you look at little kids, often they will say things that allude to the fact that they are still in memory of a past life. My nephew even said to my sister when he was about two and a half, um, do you remember when I used to be your husband? It was like, how did he even know those words? But one particular relationship that I thought I would share with a life that I had remembered I was riding in the car with my mother and father, and we drove by this old 1800s farmhouse, or I don't know what year it was. And I looked over, and I said, do you remember when I used to live there? My mother said, we never lived there. And I said, well, I did with my sister. And I lived there with my sister, but she was different then, and I had two different parents. In that lifetime, I dreamed of many times over my life with a great deal of longing and nostalgia because... I really missed that family, and I remember such detail, like even looking at uh, photos and and doing things with the family that was so wonderful. And my sister and I had a very close relationship um, because it was bigger than just this one lifetime. Uh, Part of this principle is that um, souls automatically love other souls. It doesn't matter the good or evil nonsense that we paint everything with uh, really doesn't enter into that. So once two souls have established this loving relationship and it's instant, these two souls agree to play out every possible permutation of role that there is. In other words, they'll, the two souls will incarnate as brothers, as brothers who lost both parents, as brothers who lost one parent, and then brother and sister uh, and then two sisters, and then, uh, you know, and each of these permutation acts out hundreds and hundreds of combinations. Can I ask you and a question so, about that? Well, I was going to oh, go okay. ahead. I just wanted to ask you if that's what you found, that more people have a variety, because I've found that more people tend to do the same types of relationships, like sisters multiple times. Or yes, others. that's because there is more to be gotten from that particular aspect for those two souls. And yes, but my point is that this thing just continues to act out. The entire of the relationship for a lifetime can be nothing more than a wave. Uh, If you're a New Yorker, at least a New Yorker from the 80s, everyone remembers this particular guy that just simply waved at the trains going out of Manhattan. He was on the way to Long Island. And if you rode that commuter line and you say, you know the guy that waves, Everybody would go, yeah, yeah, I know the guy that waves. What about him? You know, so this was a soul, I believe, that spent a lot of lifetimes not saying hello or goodbye to people. <laughs> Making up And for so he time. did it all in one lifetime. 
There's um, many, many phenomenon are, are easily explained once we understand mm -hmm. the concept of multiple lives. When I first began, first of all, I was wiped clean of any memory whatsoever of past lives until I was shot in the head, and then I woke up seeing everyone's past lives all the time. And then I, I focused it that I would prefer to take people into their past lives for them to see it, which is a phantasmagoria of experience. But nonetheless, yeah, you know how a beneficial. small child will, you know how a small child will go, oh, today I'm a, I'm a farmer, and he's out there digging, the, and then the next day, oh, I'm a fireman, and he's out there setting things and putting them out. And uh, today I'm a cowboy, and he's out there, you know, with a gun shooting it. And today I'm a soldier, and today I'm this, and today. And they're just acting out past lives in play during their childhood. It's my opinion that they act them out. And the word order doesn't really fit there because we don't quite understand. And we have our first caller. So, hi, caller. What's your name, please? Hi, Mary. Hi, Neville. This is Diana from Ohio. Oh, hey, hi, Diana. Diana. Hello. Hi. How are you? I am wonderful. And, ah. you know, I know there are no coincidences, but this is the first time I've actually caught your show live hey. because I have a question. Ooh. The question just has to be what you're talking about. Ah, <laughs> how synchronous. How perfect. I know. You're talking about souls that keep coming back together yes. and everything like that, uh -huh. playing out different role models and everything. Mm -hmm. Can those people, while they're here together, can they be so connected that they physically feel each other? Sure. They physically feel each other's pains and everything like that. Mm -hmm. And can it get to the point where if one person is terribly ill, the other person will start to manifest those same illnesses? Sure. The very apparent example is Siamese twins. You know, that's, that's been the joke. And then identical twins will actually uh, language this to the point that if you kick one in the knee, the other one will go, ouch. The Corsican brothers. Yeah, that, <laughs> yeah. that sort of Chijin concept. Zhang. So, yeah, that well, there is very much that connection. But what if they were yeah. not twins? Well, the, the idea, though, um, that's a really fascinating question. Just, the, just the, um, the facts that we have that twins raised separately can, can feel each other's pain, both emotional and physical. And sometimes uh, twins that didn't even know about the other identical twin married people of the same name, named their children the same, and there's a lot of synchronicity. And what that says is there is a, a harmony, a vibrational harmony that they're both tapping into or that they both share. Mm -hmm. And if that can happen, then it certainly can happen the same thing from another lifetime. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, I am convinced that it happens because at first I thought I was going crazy. Mm. But the more <laughs> it happens, the more I realize that it's true but at the same time, is there any way to turn it off? Oh. I mean, if, if someone <clears throat> is yes. going through a terrible illness <clears throat> and it is affecting you, is there Absolutely. a way to turn it off? Absolutely. Because uh, I, I think that when you take sympathy and remove the guilt out of it, we get true empathy. But I think we're taught to do sympathy with guilt in it. And what I mean by that is we feel guilty if we're not sick like the other person or, yeah. or whatever. And it may not be a conscious thought, but we are trained. Like I remember my brothers used to watch that show Combat. Does anybody remember that show? And 
I remember one in particular, or many of the episodes, it showed a soldier dying and this other soldier's there saying, I'm not going to leave you. And he goes, no, save yourself. No, I'm not going to leave you. And I remember even thinking as a kid that that was seeping into the subconscious mind that that's how love operates, is that we stay there and we accept that same demise or we're not being loving to them, we're betraying them or running off. And this was probably about 10 years ago in a meditation, I got that the way we lift people up is to go to the other side of the scale or wherever it is that our true heart is and that lifts them up. And now, of course, quantum physics is showing this too, that the way to heal that is to heal your idea that you have to take it on. And it's now, nothing even energy. Now, what if you didn't know about it, though? Um, if you well, were manifesting the problems before you even found out what the other person was going through. Well, I so, think... So I would assume there would be no guilt there. Well, prob- well, if it's a past life thing, then there's guilt. Probably, uh, I would assume. I'm going to assume that there is some okay, from that I, past life. A, yeah, I see what you mean. Yeah. There's all in all, though, a summation of a movement forward that we as humanity are doing. This is really a form of therapy. We've taken, um, I don't know how many women who have lost children back into past lives to find out the original place that they lost a child and then that kept acting out because they didn't want to catch on to the idea that the child is a sovereign being unto themselves and therefore felt that they had to um, repeat this, if you're with me, if you follow this. I uh, just wrote an article that's um, on its way to being published about a um, man that uh, was the eldest of something like a dozen children and the two parents, and they had him packed in a Conestoga wagon. And they had a very good uh, trail master, and they had a very good wagon train, And uh, they made it all the way uh, past the desert and began up into the Rockies. And they found a wonderful lake. And everybody just said, oh, this is it. We're going to camp here for a while. And so they're all splashing and getting out treats they've been saving. And the elder of the 12 children, who had always been the invulnerable, invulnerable one, who was told that he was to take care of the other children, drowned in the lake. And the... um, the wagon train eventually got to the point where they said, look, you stay here, because the mother would not let go of the idea that the, um, you know, I thought the child was going to come back, no matter what, thought the child was going to go back. And every evening she would walk around the edge of the lake expecting to find some sort of closure. Uh, As winter began to set in, the father said, you know, guys, we're here. Let's build build a more permanent shelter and prepare the winter, and we'll just stay here. This is it. This is how far west we got, and we're not leaving here, you know, all out of love for the mother and the children. Oh, we all agree with this. Now, this guy that I took back, we came into the past life at the moment of his drowning, and uh, he said, oh, I'm underwater. There's this unbelievable light up there, and gee, I'm up. Now that I'm up here, I'm looking down, and I see mom going around the edge of the lake, and we went through all of his brothers and sisters and the two parents, and it turned out that the entire of the family reincarnated with everybody in the same place. Now, when I met this man, he was a grandfather. He had had his entire life, 
and he had had children who had had children. So the entire group of souls that constituted that family um, more or less said, take two. And this time he doesn't... Yeah, that is, yeah. Su- that is such a wonderful story, and it does show that rhyme scheme. Mm-hmm. And I would say uh, for Diana, one, one thing to suggest about the taking on other people's stuff or whatever, if, if we always look at everything that goes on with us in our life, negative, positive, whatever value we want to see it as, as being a message, then it's not a matter of, oh, I've taken on that pain. Oh, I'm getting a message. And then use that to explore. And it worked beautifully for you because you had the, the physical stuff and that made you explore further what this is all about. And I feel it will ultimately lead you to what that guilt, that harmony or that feeling of uh, sadness or whatever that was that you didn't quite finish up. And I don't believe that we have karma per se. Uh, I've said this a lot. I feel that when we come back from a past life and continue working on something, it's because we didn't resolve it in the other life. And we seek a completion, a closure, like you're talking about Mm -hmm. the mother walking around the lake. It is our nature to seek a conclusion on something. We don't always get it in the way we think that it's going to be presented to us, but we look for that. And so we carry open files, so to speak, into the next life to close. Mm -hmm. I have had so many people that I've done readings for. As I say, I've done thousands of them over the years. And what I think is so powerful is to be able to look at how that is impacting their life today and often just knowing about it. I've had a number of people that could not get pregnant, gone through the normal channels of... uh, Uh, fertility doctors and things like that and couldn't get pregnant but when we looked into their past life and I didn't even know that was going on with them about the the child it was a life where it explained thoroughly like the loss of a child or something and that they were too sad or they didn't trust themselves depending on what that past life was about and other people it explains relationships with family members that have been troubled and and things like that. There's so much value. And often just knowing about it makes the harmony balance itself out. You don't have to do anything else. Right. I think you're so right there because because of this illness and because it's brought us back together to really talk, it has brought a lot out. Mm. I love you guys. I love your show and everything. And Mary, later on, can you do a reading for me? Sure. Sure. Well, thank you. We'll see you soon. Yeah. We're going to be uh, out in excellent. Ohio in a couple of weeks, in Columbus. That's true. Yeah, yeah. People come out and see And us. we're going to be at uh, Pathways coming up. That's this weekend, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, if anybody wants to join us there. And um, so the idea of taking a look in your past lives is therapy with an X factor. If we could all just replace the word karma with the word education, there will be a lot less pain on the planet Earth because... There is nothing that's actually not education. I've never found anything that wasn't education. And the word karma and this ridiculous concept from the dark ages of the wheel of karma as though you would never be able to escape it, it is merely indicative that there is a particular piece of education, an aspect of remembering that you are reticent to remember And so you keep repeating it until you get it. Mm -hmm. All you have to do is agree to get it. It's not, there's nobody who's stuck anywhere. Although they had, um, 
we're, we're, we are becoming so conscious. Uh, years and years ago, they did this concept of soul retrieval, where somebody was going to come in there and find the pieces of your soul that are missing, which is total myth from start to finish. And it is. It's just nonsense. And well, just I have a me, theory about that, just before you move too far past it. Um, you know what? Okay. Go ahead. Just, yeah. No, I, I believe we, events can trap pieces of us behind the event, but... I don't believe your soul is missing, but aspects of your Yeah, I'm energy. just saying we are becoming so conscious that the entire uh, concept of dark souls, the entire, all of these concepts are things for children. They're, they just aren't, you know, the Bible says put away the things of childhood. This is what they're talking about. Good and evil are the things of childhood that you put away. You don't play with those anymore. Of course you have preferences. You know, we all have taste, so mm-hmm. forth and so on. But in those darker days of the last two decades where somebody was actually going to say, hi, I'll find those missing pieces of you, um, stuff and nonsense all, um, just snap your fingers and all of that's gone away. It's time for us to be mature about this stuff, to just not allow our power to be taken by this... Um, superstitious smithing that, uh, you know, the, the newer age, pardon me, the new age, uh, has such a bright brightness about it. And then the people, I don't know what, people get bored and they go back to sleep and then they start buying all this stuff and then they wake up again and then they're, <laughs> they're uh, you know, steering their own boat, they're conscious of their own path, they're growing in awareness and then, the, and it, it works this way, it's inhale, exhale, and then you're back to sleep, and somebody's rattling bones and telling you about missing pieces of you, and, you know, your aura has this darkness in it. Oh, really, God, that's so entertaining. <laughs> and I have to do what to get rid of it? And $60,000 well, in a paper bag on your... Why not? Yeah, right. It, yeah. It, it's definitely... Just, gee, God, give us a break. Be in charge of yourself now. Well, I, I, I would say that I've worked with a lot of people that have yeah. experienced something like that. But as far as soul retrieval, I, I just wanted to, because I've yeah, used that example yeah. and I mm-hmm. wanted to, to be clear, that we do. I have found that when we have an emotional trauma, it splits us at that moment and we go around it. Part of us is um, looking to ignore it and part of us is looking to feel guilty about it or whatever the two poles that yeah. it splits us within and the idea is to remove what that boulder is so that the parts of us can flow back into one stream of consciousness. But another way to look at karma is guilt in the form of a wheel and that eventually it's going to drive to a place where it won't bother us, um, it won't overwhelm us with that feeling of guilt all the time because you can't really be on that wheel if you don't feel guilty. And then that brings up the idea of cause and effect. And I realized a, a long time ago that that whole principle of cause and effect is not true. Yeah. Normally, a cause would be I could throw this onto the floor and it would break. The cause is me throwing it on the floor. The effect would be it shattering or doing whatever it does. But I have choice over cause. So therefore, effect is not a random given thing. I can, I can, uh, somebody can slap me in the face, that's the cause, the effect could be, be me slapping back, 
Or I could step out of, and this may be another angle to view the archaic vision, uh, vision of uh, Wheel of Karma, is that we have a choice now. There is the cause, then there is a decision, then there is the effect. So we're no longer children in that it's a cause and the effect. It's a cause, a choice, and an effect. Yeah, free will, mm -hmm. the very principle of free will. We serve ourselves so well to delete the word victim from any thinking anywhere in our mind. We, every, we've said so many times on this program, the day that you recognize your own hand in everything that happens in your life, the day that you recognize your signature on every event that happens in your life is the day you have actually become far more conscious. Now, I'm not using superlatives because you're going to become more conscious than that. But you recognizing that you're doing all this, that it is not a matter of whatever that is that we have been trained to think. And our language contains many, many words that will just neatly take our responsibility for our life and put it way out there where someone else did this. And none of that's true. There's no such thing as a victim. We've said on the program, and forgive me for the redundance, but catch on to it. Katrina. Katrina had people that participated in Katrina by getting out of town. Katrina had people that participated in Katrina by saying, holy cow, look at all that water. And we had people that participated in Katrina by taking the opportunity to open their door into their next incarnation. So, but there were zero victims involved in Katrina. Victim is a very primitive way to think. You, you do not outgrow that until the minute you feel, oh, okay, now I've created this. Why did I create this? I created this in order to make a change that I was resistant to changing. All right, good enough. Now am I going to make it or not? Fine, I'll make it. Or equally fine, no, I won't make it. I'll own that I'm not going to change. And so therefore, you don't have to be pursued by it. You just own what it is, who you are, and what it is you do. It's I very just, important. I just realized that victimhood is the only real victimizer. Think about that. It really is, because uh, living a life in the victimhood, yeah. like buying into that, you have to then cast yourself in that role. And it may look like that's the role that's taken care of, but more or less you're playing the part of the person that has no power. And by staying in that, um, you are victim to the victimhood. Okay. Oh, absolutely. Yes, we do. One sec. Just like there's no 13th floor because we're so superstitious as a group, mm -hmm. there is no neighborhood that is called victimhood. Same mm -hmm. basic principle. I'm from the hood. Oh, the victimhood? Yeah, it doesn't work. Oh, I, no, that's what I mean, is that it's a, a place. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you may laugh, but victimhood. Okay, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. We'll take our call. Hi. Hi, caller. What's your name, please? Christiana. Christiana, Hi. what can we do for you? But when you spoke of past lives, um, I was literally shown two of my past lives. Ah. And I had a very uh, uh, quarrelsome 43-year 40 marriage and mm. didn't want to have a second child, didn't want to have a son uh, in this lifetime. And my husband died three and a half years ago. And 
very codependent relationship, and yet I saw two past lives, which are very traumatic. Mm-hmm. And I keep wondering if I'm going to have to do this again and again with the same person, if I'll meet him again in another life. Um, but was hoping maybe you would do a reading for me. Uh, okay, I well... Do, I do have a new friend uh, who is totally different, but again, I'm codependent. <laughs> okay. So you're asking us to make the decision for you as to whether or not you'll have another life with this guy? Uh, how do you know whether you finished in this incarnation? Uh, it's with, finished with a, in this incarnation, I can tell you. With a very struggling lifetime. Well, I, I think this gets back to that idea of karma and being done. And the metaphor of what Christ brought was that we are forgiven for our sins. But to me, the more elevated view of that, or a higher view, I don't want to say more or less, but in a different view of that, is that we can declare ourselves forgiven or interpretation is we can declare ourselves done with any relationship and so really you will be done with that relationship when you can say I'm done not the relationship being done not him being done but you and if you say okay there are some things that are unanswered unfulfilled I've walked around that lake and I still haven't come to a conclusion but I am ready to let it go that's when everything changes when we are ready to let it go. And so I would say that's the question to ask yourself, am I ready to let all that go, even, in, even the unresolved things? Yeah, Christiana, I have a, uh, uh, I don't I know if you've read the Hidden Language Code book. I talk about having been shot to death. And no, I t- no, I haven't. Uh, it's at Amazon. Uh, at any rate, a Hidden Language Codes, and I was shot to death. Um, tin panation, I'm now calling it, uh, which is where they every once in a while they dig up a skull with a hole in it, and the person lived past the hole being installed in their skull, and that's on the uh, on my skull. But the uh, picture of the book is on the <laughs> is on the uh, at the moment. Now, when I was shot to death and I went to the other side, I saw that other soul and I contract. Uh, for the event to happen. And you say, kid, you know, when you're 27, I'm going to blow your head off with a handgun. And I go, yeah, I know. And we laugh and we laugh and we laugh. And so when the event actually occurred, I never forgave the man for shooting me. I, in fact, love him for shooting me because it was my idea, because that was an unbelievable shortcut for me uh, to a far more advanced consciousness. You're with me? Yes, I am. Okay, yeah. so whoever it is you're dancing with and what you don't like about that is your idea. The day that we get to the point where we recognize that everything that happens, codependence, everything that happens is our idea. That's our idea. The day that you say, this was my idea, and I love that other person for dancing with me, no matter what the dance looked like, that's the day at which it, I'm no longer attached to that particular soul. I don't have to shoot him anymore. He doesn't have to shoot me anymore. We don't dance together. We could choose to get together, but that's what that soul and I had. And that dance took place over thousands of lifetimes, not that every time we shot each other or whatever, but over the 
amount of time that, that where I experienced thousands of uh, lifetimes, this whole well, thing well, reached by the you, pinnacle. Yeah, and by you loving him, yes. you let go. Okay, exactly. That's the whole concept right. of what I was just saying. And yeah. um, another way to look at it is I used to feel if I started a book, I had to finish the book. I would start, I'd read the preface, I'd read it all the way um, through to the end. And then I found that I couldn't really finish a book and they would sit there. And then one day I, I acknowledged the fact to myself that I read what I had wished to read out of the book, so therefore I am done. And because somebody else said that being done meant reading to page 364, I was done at page 210, well then I was done with the book. And I declared myself done in my mind. And I feel that our relationships are like that. And I've said this many times, but I, I put a sign on my wall one time that said, I place my attention on the faces of those walking toward me, not the rear ends of those walking away. And I feel that when we don't let go, because we haven't had that resolution, people become rear ends in our life. And that's a good sign yeah. that it's time to let them go. So the fact that your relationship with, um, this last partner was tumultuous in that way. Mm -hmm. It says that it's really time for you to look, what do I have to do to let go of that? And it sounds like you've got a new relationship coming in your life so that you can do this more consciously now and you can observe how this one unfolds and make different decisions. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but thank you. What a yeah, beautiful that was an excellent question. call. Yeah. We'd love to hear from you again as, uh, as soon as you'd love to. Call us back. This is a delight. This opened up quite a few doors. Yeah. And I'm certain that many members in the uh, audience are, um, you know, recognizing the principle we're talking here. Once you recognize that whatever that is is your idea and you love the other person for assisting you with your idea, then you can choose the moment out because mm -hmm. it, really it really does work that way. All right. Well, again, thank you very much. And... Um, yeah. What, what were we talking about? Past lives are very interesting concepts. Well, the idea of just being done. We, we find it very difficult to declare ourselves done with anything. And we hold on for a very long time. I, I, we all do it, and everybody has their different areas that they, they do it more than, than mm -hmm. other areas. But, well, for instance, I've had a lot of people that have come for past life that, that and maybe you could share some of your... Um, yeah. Um, successes so to speak or, or oh, these things where people aspect. learning about a past life pattern has has been able to break it like for instance someone came that was just has so much trouble dealing with their mother was just constant battling constant fighting their mother was so angry about so much and that they had a hard time even having any compassion toward their mother and during the past life it was revealed that their mother had lost all of their children, including them, in another life during a war. Mm -hmm. um, and she had lost everything. And she had, it made so much sense then why she was holding on so tightly. And they had a great deal of compassion for their mother after that. And it was through the compassion and being open and, and talking with her that helped her to become more trusting in life. And their relationship really Compassion blessed. is a very important thing. Mm -hmm. And uh, we have our next caller, so let's go in this direction. Hi, caller. What's your name, please? Hi, it's Micah. How are you? Micah. Hi. Good. What can we do for you? Um, I had a dream, and I wanted to know if you could interpret it for me. Sure. Okay. okay. Um, I dreamt that I was in my bed, in my house, and um, there was, uh, I would call it an entity. Um, the only way I can describe it is 
Do you know what a Dementor from the Harry Potter books look, looks like? Yeah. A black robed hooded figure. Yes. Um, but it had a face that was painted black, like Halloween paint that you would paint your face with, uh, like a costume. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But a very overly large white toothed grin, like it was too almost too big for its face, and it just had a permanent frozen grin on its face. Mm-hmm. And it was hovering horizontally over me in the bed. And it... Its robes were like flowing or blowing in the wind, but there was no wind in here. So it was just like in this constant movement hovering over me. So I, I felt like it was trying to, um, not really, I didn't feel it was malevolent, but I felt it was trying to maybe menace me a little bit. Mm. Oh, it was to take soul stuff from you, absolutely. That is what was not going. Not that it can be taken. But yeah, and that's uh, the myth that we so easily fall into. Uh, we had um, talked a lot about the idea of uh, in meeting the part of you before you began incarnations. I remember spending a lot of time looking for a button to push that would do away with all the programming I've had in this particular lifetime and finally found a lot of what I was looking for. So I met the part of me that had not yet incarnated that was still God um, and a part of God that had made the decision to be independent of God that had not yet made the decision to incarnate, the primary self, the self before any of the programming. And I had many, many interviews with this particular part of myself, and I came to the conclusion that the more loving you are, the more powerful you are. And so... Uh, were you to say to this being with the Cheshire Cat grin, um, you know, I really love you and uh, I understand that you've, I, I feel compassion for you. I feel that... Um, and the, the being will have to evaporate really kind of instantly because that aspect of consciousness feeds on people's fears. And it's a very, in my well, mind, primitive consciousness. Well, I, I feel that... Love at a very dense level is fear, and it will come in a form that you can that that, that it crystallizes fear so that you can look at it and see it for what it is. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it's just a radiant feeling that you can't really articulate. And something I really like from one of the Seth books, it said that when you confront these things, um, to say peace be to you, peace be to you and be on your way kind of an attitude. Mm-hmm. But if you look at any kind of monster or demon that we happen to see as really being a belief in, in this and that it's really our own fears that we are confronting, just that bit of knowledge, everything then evaporates into, into the morning light, so to speak, because you are seeing it for what it is. And anything that is scary if it is unmasked as fear, then it just turns into your angels teaching you that, that, that you had fear within you and it's time to let go of it. And you, you look at anything that looks scary, instead of trying to transform it or fear of running from it or changing it, just lift your frequency to a higher frequency and you'll see that it's just a message yeah. coming to you. Yeah, And uh, we all work through love. our fears. And uh, it's the metaphor of Christ's 40 days in the desert uh, yeah. battling demons. It's really our time where we go through battling our own fears. And we have our next caller. Excellent. Call Hi. Micah. Yeah, thank you, Micah. Excellent. And uh, our next caller. Hi, what is your name, please? Uh, my name is uh, Ramani. 
Ramani, what can we do for you? Well, where are you calling from? Clinton, Virginia. Ah, okay. Uh, Hi, what can we do for you? Oh, uh, sure. Thank you for taking my call. Thank uh, you. Recently, I've been uh, intently absorbed with uh, Deepak Chopra's uh, consciousness and the mystery behind it. Mm -hmm. I've been spending quite a lot of time and uh, pretty intrigued, and I love the topic. Uh, my father was an astrologer himself, and I believe in uh, and the planetary aspects of uh, the influence on human beings. Mm. Uh, my sure. question is, uh, I, I wasn't sure of this, the telepathic TV is the first time I heard about it. I'm very curious in terms of uh, correlating the past life regression therapy that is available today in terms of knowing the past lives mm -hmm. with respect to uh, the key message that is coming out of the book, The Secret in terms of positive, you know, generating positive thoughts and in terms of doing meditation with, uh, not necessarily with what you want, but I'm trying to see is that from a thought, desire and karma cycle perspective, is there a correlation between the past life existence, what we were against what we are going to be, uh, you know, from the pure cycle and how, is there anything else that I need to be aware of as uh, I'm not so materialistic, but I'm more interested in identifying my self-awareness and playing well, those well, yeah. frequencies. I think you brought up a lot of different things, and thank you for your call so much. And I also love Deepak Chopra. I love, I love just the simple way, the left-brain bridge way of explaining how things are. And I would say the idea of past lives, and tell me if, if I'm understanding correctly your question, in the secret and a lot of the consciousness of the law of attraction, it talks about just focusing on what you want to create in your life. And in a way, I feel that that's a partial, partial thing, that, that uh, it's a partial truth of our existence. It's not all about manifesting and focusing on creations and all that. Some of it, I, I think even a bigger part of it is an exploration and to go at it with no yang energy of attempting to create or not create anything and watch and learn. It's like we're, we're too busy talking um, and, and stating and, and manifesting and doing that that nobody's really listening anymore. And one thing about your past lives, it explores who you are multidimensionally and you start seeing a bigger picture of us. And I believe we're really here to understand who we are and collectively when we all do that, the all understands who it is. And so they're, they're not separate ideas. I would say one is just a facet, and the exploration of our multidimensional being is really a fuller picture, and it's not about creating as much as it is about uh, gaining, gaining knowledge and wisdom. Yeah, it's about let it, letting go of the doing and embracing the being. The being, yes, absolutely. That's uh, very much the absolutely. way that works. Now, I and know we're about to uh, have the visit we'll from the feathered one, yeah, well, want to uh, do that and then come back Yeah, and then I wanted to make a few announcements before the show sure, runs out. Sure, yes. absolutely. Okay, uh, we'll be the duck. Here comes the duck. Thank you so much for the call. Yeah. Well. Here's Linda, the duck. And family. please call back our last caller. Uh, please call back again next week because yeah. I would love to talk to you some more. There's a lot more Friendship to be said. Friendship is love with understanding. An ancient proverb. And another ancient proverb is, is, opportunity doesn't knock, you knock, opportunity answers. Love it. Yeah, excellent. Okay, well, you can, you can also have it knock on your door, too. Yeah, many things are 
Okay, okay. so our announcements now, before we Now, we're going we to have um, calls? Reverend Terry Dearmore on the show next week. From the Chantilly Unity. Right, and we're going to discuss um, uh, any the, number of topics yep, as always. The changing face of changing, religion. Uh, change things. in religion. And uh, we're going to be uh, in the weeks past that, the next week past that, we're going to do another tarot poem show. So if you would like um, gratis poem reading to um, send, electronically send your palm prints. Photograph them and then scan them and then, uh, yeah. like on a. And they do have to be in focus, understand. The lines have to be legibly read uh, down to the fingerprints. Okay, we got five so, yeah, so okay. we have a number of calls. So, so let's email go those ahead. and we'll yeah. read them on the air. Yeah, and we would be very happy about that. And it'll probably take us um, the two weeks to we collect have them Diana, all. Diana, but uh, yeah, I'm going to okay. do Diana's real quick, and then we'll take our next caller. And I'll go quick so we can get to everybody. Mm-hmm. The first call for Diana from Ohio is the integration. There's a lot of things going on, and um, it, it might play into what we were talking about about looking uh, multidimensionally for things and start integrating a higher view. And the sorrow is really the dawn of uh, the, the thoughts that cloud us. And it, they're really separating. And a lot of things that you've gone through are breaking way. The clouds are breaking way to clearer skies. And that's when the master really does come up within us, is when we realize we don't have to have pain anymore and clear some of those old things from other eras. OK, mm-hmm. and our first call. Hi, caller. What's your name, please? Duck. Hello, Mary Neville. This is Philip. Hi. Um, Cheryl says hello. Hello. Um, There's been a lot of transformation going on in our lives. Um, I'm unemployed, and a lot of things have happened to Cheryl, and I just want to know if Mary could have some insight. I'll let you go now so you could do the reading. Okay. Well, first, congratulations on your unemployment. (laughs) In other words, see that you did it and so enjoy the time, because a lot of times we spend the whole time unemployed, never doing Being the thing that we created. That yeah. Well, look, we got the sorrow card. And a, a lot of times we do see things as coming from a source of sorrow whether than, rather than a source of freedom or to teach us something. Yeah. And again, the dark night of the soul going in. And when we go down in, into our depths, it's the, the J-hook principle. We go down into the subconscious to ascend to a higher place. We can't just go there. We've really got to go through us to get there. Well, the new vision... And this reminds me of the idea of depression, what, what, how you have worded it, is leveling your old life but, not, but forgetting to create the new one. I felt like there was a span of time where rather than that it was more like a comma between leveling the old life and creating the new one. And now you're actively ready to call it to you and calling it to you, seeing you as the creator, whereas prior to that it was other things that were creating your life. And even in the areas you thought you were, you didn't really have that confidence. But now you can. And, and it is pivotal to look at some of the things going on now as you, uh, not in a negative way, but, but revealing something that you left behind uh, so that you could go back and retrieve it. Well, thank you. We have another call. Hi, caller. What's your name, please? Hi, Mary Neville. This is Marlene. Hi, Marlene. Marlene, what can we do for you? Hi. Well, I've got um, a couple of dreams I was hoping that you could interpret for me. Sure. Sure. I think we have. I had a dream a couple nights ago about myself being in prison. And then I had a dream, two dreams last night. One was where my two sons were in prison. Well, they were in jail, and I was getting them out. And then at the second dream, I was in prison. 
So there's this theme of being in prison, and, yeah. and I was just wanting to get your interpretation and impressions of that. Okay. Um, are you going through anything right now that you feel imprisoned within? I'm sure you've thought of that. I thought, I've thought of that, and I, and I, I can't, can't okay. think of anything. Uh, virtually all human beings have the dream that they are in prison. I've never experienced... Thankfully, I have not. Okay, well, at any rate, we feel imprisoned. Uh, very briefly, I went to find the uh, primary me, and the primary me told me of an amazing experience. The primary me, the, the original me, decided to incarnate. And the moment that that happened, that they were incarnate, they felt that they were stuck in that little, they had been this amazing, I had been this amazingly free device that could just be. And then the minute the incarnation happened, there was this connection to, of course, the incarnation, the body. And the upper thing would tug, but it would not go. So we all feel that to be incarnate is in the form of a prison. So it well, gets acted out that way, and that is what I'd like the, our uh, caller to look at. Mm -hmm. So well, go since ahead. we're so li limited on time, yeah. I just was thought, uh, Marlene, what did the prison look like? Um, they're uh, very black and white. The dream was very dark. Okay. Well, then this is um, this goes along with something that I had started feeling, especially since you saw your sons or dreamed of them being in prison. And what I think that is, is just the mindset, the black and white that the world really lives within, and that you're saying, oh, now my sons are going to be trapped in that. How can I share my experience of being trapped in that mindset and the pain that that caused me? How can I impart that wisdom onto my sons? And, I, and I'm thinking now might be a time for you to relate some of your experiences that, that you felt that way, kind of under the thumb of the... Uh, most people are in the in the shades of gray, but we all have to live with the rules of black and white. And there are times for all of us that we feel that we're outside of that, and and a lot of wisdom can be gained. Okay. So maybe contemplate thank that. Thank you. But yeah, thank you very much. Black and white is that childhood concept of good and evil. We all know what we read, yeah. leaving the, the you know the biblical. Uh, Guilt yeah, to let thing. go of, yeah. uh, just to be free. It's yeah. a wonderful experience to be incarnate. Okay. And we have our next caller. What's your name, please? Hi, Mary. Hi, Neville. This is Maggie. Hi. Maggie. Good Hi. to hear How from you. you. Hey, wonderful. Thank you. It's good to see you both. You too. That's a good great day. show tonight, um, especially your words about fear. And I would just tell you that I had an exhilarating day today um, at a doctor's appointment where I face several very big fears, and I've been raising my vibration overall lately, but especially before and during this session, and the doctor and, and the technician, I, I actually had fun. It was expansive, light, joyous, and loving, and it was just what I wanted on my yeah. journey toward wholeness and increased well-being, and as I'm listening to you, I was inspired to draw a card, and I thought, no, no, I want to call and ask. I would love a reading along these lines, just as a, uh, a sweet topper to such a wonderful um, experience today. Oh, well, okay. congratulations on Isn't your ability to actually program your life directly. Yes, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. And it's so free. Well, thank you very much. Thank and, you. And that's very encouraging and yeah. insightful. 
It, there's nothing more powerful than facing your fears and seeing that it was a fear and nothing tangible or real. Look at the card. We got healing. That the true healing, yeah, maybe it looks like it's the body and everything, but the real healing always happens in the heart. Um, we go through our intellect and our mind sometimes, but, but just the knowing and, and getting back to that state of trust that you are there. Sometimes it feels like you're alone against the world, but we really have this beautiful, like the hand of God, so to speak, mm -hmm. that sits us out there in the, in the cosmos. This is such a powerful card, especially for the feminine power. And it's through that confidence and trust that facing your fears brings, that brings new roads to you. And they, they're walked fearlessly and therefore with the, with the mind of innocence. And that's how we really experience our life instead of measuring it. Oh, so we spend you. a lifetime pretending <coughs> that we have more? absolutely no authority in our life or what it I is that we more. do. And just, I got to say, congrats on yes. someone actually programming their reality. This is unheard right. we heard of. It. Yeah, well, everybody do that. All and right. hi, caller. What's your name, please? Hi, it's Omar. I hope you guys are Hi, well. way. Yeah. Good to hear from you. We're yeah. I finally found you guys online, so this is so cool. Here we are. Excellent. <laughs> You're okay, in my moving PC. your computer. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> um, Mary, would you mind doing a reading for me? I have this um, Aquarius gentleman just came into my life. I've researched that they have this fear with commitment. I don't know if I should just like keep it as a friend or maybe just be patient and hang in there. Oh, and also... Next weekend, I'm leaving for India for a week with my parents. I'm so excited. I'm Yay. dying to see the Taj. So I'm oh. going to hang up so I can hear you guys on the PC. Okay. Thank Thanks. you. Bye. Bye-bye. Mm -hmm. The first card, the existence, and I, I was saying, I know that astrology does our guidelines, but everybody is unique and all that. But one thing that this card told me is it's you that is afraid of the commitment and so look into that. And I'm not going to say you're afraid of the commitment, but maybe you're not really ready to have a commitment when commitment has a definition like it does with you now. I would suggest everybody out there, but particularly Alma, to, to look and see what is my definition of commitment, and maybe it's time to upgrade that. Because if we all say, oh, I want to commit, well, if my definition of commitment is, is being bogged down with a ball and chain, well, then, no, of course not. I won't attract anybody that wants to do that. Yeah. And, yes, about playfulness, I think you are looking for the Aquarius spirit and that that's okay. Call that to you. And that then within that you can create your life with someone. Right now it looks like what marriage and commitment represents is creating your life in, in a prison, almost like Marlene's dream. And that what you're looking for is to create a life in this card, this beautiful, uh, colorful card. And you can have it. Just upgrade your definition of commitment. And I feel that your journey to India is going to be a really wonderful yeah. experience. And the upgrading of the commitment is incorporating the word responsibility in it. Mm -hmm. Responsibility is where you accept that you are responsible for this and therefore are in the driver's seat. Commitment looks like you have no choice, and that's just a very well, false way to see it. And also, problems with commitment with others represent a problem of commitment with self 100% of the time. So, All right, and we have our next caller. We don't. Ah, they got away. Ah, okay. Someone else we could have assisted. Yes. Okay, so... Psychic Development Part 2 is going to be beginning in several weeks, which is psychometry, remote view, medical intuition, and some other fun things. Mm -hmm. And we'll be sending out emails. You were saying there has been... Um, 
the rewriting uh, website, of the website. Is, uh, is being uh, very interesting right now. So I haven't been able to update the podcast, but hopefully that will be fixed in the yeah. not too distant future. But the online uh, shows you can get through Ustream and, and do a search for Telepathic TV and you can watch the show again. Yeah. I just won't be able to post the link. Okay, it's our joy and honor to take you to the door. And we thank, honor, and love you for your participation. <laughs>